Good morning and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. This coming weekend on November 14th from 10 till 1230 on the patio, we'll have a great opportunity to support unique causes and missions around the world. There'll be unique gifts, handcrafted items, even, even gifts in kind. All are invited, so come out and support. We'll see you there. Oh, and a couple days later on November 16th, from 6.30 till 8 p.m. we'll be celebrating Family Ministry Friendsgiving. There'll be dinner, games, activities for the whole family. You can even learn about what your children and youth will be learning over the next month. It's a free event, so come on out. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. At this time, we're gonna get started with some worship, so you're invited to stand. Desire and I long to 
Well, good morning, La Jolla Community Church. You may be seated. God is great, is he not? I absolutely love the fact that no matter what kind of week we've had, no matter what kind of day you're having, what kind of moment you're in, Jesus wants you to come to his feet no matter what. And this is the perfect Sunday, our communion Sunday, so we thank you all so much for joining us. We're so excited to celebrate and worship with you guys. Thank you so much, our worship team, for leading us in an amazing worship session this morning. Thank you, thank you. Well, my name is Ryan Sylvia. I am the director of student ministries here at La Jolla Community Church, and I want to welcome you to our wonderful service this morning. I would love to draw your attention on your way in, along with one of the little communion cups. If you didn't grab one of those, we can get one to you on my way out. I can snag one for you. As well as one of these bulletins designed by our awesome media director, Josh. If you notice, these wonderful little bulletins, they fold right in half. And that top half, our hope and our prayers that you would take this home, especially during this Thanksgiving season. We've got a dinner for every age and stage of your life. If you're two years old or 200 years old, we have a dinner for you. So please take this card home, invite somebody, let them know that we want to love on them, we want to care for them, and that our church is a family that wants to welcome them in. So please take this top half home. Don't leave them behind. I don't want to find any of these top halves left in here. Take it home, give it to somebody that you would want to love on and care for this week. Well, on the bottom half is our Connect and Prayer card. On that first side, it says Get Connected with Us. We at La Jolla Community Church want to get you plugged in and involved in some of our wonderful ministries happening here at church. So if this is your first Sunday or maybe you just want to get involved in something new, please take a moment, fill out our Connect card, let us know how you want to get plugged in and engaged here at La Jolla Community Church. And on the other side is our prayer card. We at La Jolla Community Church believe in the power of prayer. We believe in lifting each other up, supporting our needs and our desires that we have in our lives. So if you've got something difficult going on in your life, you need some support, you need some love, please take a moment, fill this out, let us know how we can pray for you, let us know how we can encourage you and love on you. Every week, my favorite thing that I get to do is go over every praise report and every prayer request that gets filled out. So if you need a little extra prayer this week, fill that out, and then on your way out, you can drop off your prayer and connect card in the foyer on your way out, along with your offering envelopes, and those are placed in the seat backs right in front of you. Well, thank you so much for joining us online and in the Welcome Center. We're so excited to have you with us. And with that, I would love to invite Pastor Scott up to lead us in a message. Thank you so much. Good morning. One more sip of coffee. <laughs> uh, I went to a wedding yesterday, first wedding I've been to in years, especially post or wherever we are, pandemic time. And uh, we live in Rancho Bernardo, and the wedding was down in La Jolla, this place called the Darlington House. I've never been there before, but it's all the way down in La Jolla. And my wife likes to get to places early. Any of you early folks you like to get to places early? Okay. I like to get places on time. So we left 45 minutes before the wedding started. I, I used to have an office downtown La Jolla, so I know that's a 25-minute drive door to door. So 45 minutes, and we're in the car, and I say, honey, let's, I mean, my car is not looking good. Let's just run it through the wash really quickly. No big deal. She said, Okay. It didn't seem like a long line. We had one of those soapy Joes right outside of our neighborhood. And uh, wouldn't you know it, as soon as I get into the line, something happens inside the car wash. And now there's cars behind us, so there's no backing up. And, you know, what happens? <laughs> How do you feel when you're in a moment like that? When you feel like you're getting later and later? And we have this thing now. You can look at your map, and it'll adjust automatically your arrival time. And so now we're pushing it, you know, we were supposed to get there at 3.30, uh, the, the wedding starts at 3.30, we're supposed to get there around 3.10, 3.15, and I'm just watching that minute by minute go up and up, and I keep saying, honey, it's a 25-minute drive, don't worry, 
It says 37. It's a 25-minute drive to Orange. Uh, so you can imagine the tension in the car, the quietness in the car, the, the phrases that go back and forth in the car. We've all been there because we tend to, in our families, have a different understanding of time, what it's for and how to use it. And isn't that interesting? Uh, I want to invite us this morning to reflect on our own understanding of time. It comes from somewhere, doesn't it? It comes from somewhere. I grew up with a mom that was a lot like my wife in terms of getting to places early. She wasn't born and raised in the military, but she has the same phrase. If you're, if you're five minutes early, that means you're late. And so I've had that sense of anxiety my entire life. So I, you know, if I'm honest, I, would, I actually kind of put the brakes on a little bit. The idea of getting there early, I had to do that my entire life. Don't make me get there early. I've sat in places in the parking lot in my entire childhood because we're there 30 minutes early. There's no other kid there. There's no, other, there's no one else there. So apparently, I have this passive aggression that continues to come out. And my wife just likes to get to places early. She likes to get settled. She likes to sit where she wants to sit. And wouldn't you know it, we get there on time, 327, three minutes to spare. And my hunch along the way was, honey, they never start weddings on time. When it was the last time we... And they didn't. I was right. It was 30 minutes late where we sat there in those chairs for 30 minutes. And I made sure about eight minutes in to say, oh, man, I, I could have gotten out and um, vacuumed. <laughs> and then 15 minutes into it, I'm like, I, I would be halfway through waxing the car by now. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, you know, it worked out for me in that case. We got front row spot. We weren't late. We were on time, and the wedding started late. But just want to invite you to think about time. I want to share a few phrases about time. Have you ever felt like you run out of it? Like you ran out of time. You ran out of time to get work done. You ran out of time before someone had to leave and, and go back home. You ran out of time before you had that conversation. You ran out of time. Do you ever feel like you don't have enough time? You don't have enough time with that person. You don't have enough time to get done what you want to get done. This morning, we have an extra hour. But how many of you feel like there's still not enough time? Uh, Steve asked me to speak today, and I in my mind, I've made a hard and fast rule because I can't tell you how many times I've said yes to speaking somewhere on the other daylight savings morning. It's almost like pastors put it in their calendar and they mark, let's get a guest guy to come in that day. And I, can, I, I don't look at the calendar necessarily. Someone says, hey, can, uh, you know, can you speak that day? I say, sure. It's probably been like six or seven years in a row where the, you know, the Friday before, my wife says, you know, it's daylight savings. We're springing forward. I'm like, gosh, no, no, that guy got me again. That and Master's Sunday are the two ones I will not speak. I'm not available. So I made it, I, I thought today, I just, you know, without thinking about it, I thought this was daylight savings. I said to Steve, sorry, buddy, can't do it. It's daylight savings. He said, no, no, it's the good one. It's the good one. So, okay, I'm free. Uh, do you ever feel like time isn't yours? Maybe it's controlled by someone else. I, I know that's what uh, kids feel, teenagers particularly. Whether it's a parent, a coach, a teacher, someone else is organizing and ordaining their time, and then there's inherent conflict and tension. I've realized when someone puts a demand on my time, it irritates me. I'm happy to give you my time, but when you expect it or demand it, I just don't like it. My pet peeve is when somebody puts a calendar invite on my calendar without asking, I'm like, what are you doing? I just delete it. I don't even look if I'm free or not. I just delete. No, that's, don't you dare take my time. I'll give it to you if you ask. Do you ever feel like, though, you have too much time? How many of you get bored? 
Or that's a phrase that comes up. I just feel bored. I've got too much time. Uh, some of you are, jo- you know, that's a joke. Uh, how many of you have ever felt like you're stuck, stuck in a moment that you just can't get out of? Or maybe you have to kill time. Or maybe it feels like you're wasting time. We're going to look this morning at uh, time and how we respond to it. I think, actually, if we do this well together this morning, we're going to look at time. You're going to look at your relationship to time, and it's going to be like a mirror to you. I think we come here not just to see each other, not just to worship, not just to give our offerings. I think we come here to have our lives agitated in some way and reorganized and reordered to be more efficient to the things that we hold true, the things that we value. Really, the prayer that I have as we come in is, God, would you help us to live our lives the way you would live our lives if you were in charge? And so we're going to look at time, our relationship to it, and invite God to agitate us in a good way so that we can pay more attention to how we respond to the time that we have. Would you pray with me? God, we've got a, we've got a few minutes here together, and I pray that you would come and, uh, and meet us and say something to us, and speak to us. Help us to uh, be more aware of the ways in which we see time, and how you might want us to reconsider the time that we have. Because God, we want to be aligned to your purposes. We want to uh, align our lives to the way that you would want us to lead them. But we need your help for that. So, come and, come and meet us. In Jesus' name, amen. I think there's something inherently vulnerable when we talk about time. I've noticed as I've done coaching with leaders that we can talk quite comfortably about lots of topics in their life and in mine, but when it comes to show me how you spend your time, there's something that's very almost private for many people about how, whoa, you want to look at my calendar? You want to see how I spend time? There's something very vulnerable about this, so I just want to recognize that and state that up front. Jesus has a, a many moments, many, many scenarios throughout the Gospels where he, I think, is, wants us to rethink how we look at time. One of them comes from this really fun passage, really fun story in Matthew chapter 20. It's a series of stories where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's these series of stories where Jesus is trying to say it's, you know, life that, you th- that you've been living, is, you think it's like this, but I want to show you a different model, a different picture of what life with me would be like. And this is one of them. It's called the, the parables of the workers in the field. And it's a, it's a fun story, especially for those of you who run businesses, who have been managers before, because it's an employment story. It's a labor issue. We're in this very bizarre time right now of trying to find employment. But in this story, this guy does not struggle to find labor. Here's how it starts. There's a man who owns a field, and he needs workers to come and work the field. Uh, in Ranch Bernardo, there's a couple spots, there's a couple areas in town where there are guys that will go stand in the morning looking for work, and someone will come and hire them, and they'll uh, negotiate or agree to some uh, uh, wage for the day. And that's how this story starts, too. He finds some guys at the beginning of the day, 6 a.m., finds a group of guys to come to his fields and work the fields. And the agreement, as it says in the story, is, and you agree that I will pay you a day's wage. And they say, happily. 
Because to work is a good thing. To be paid for work is a great thing. It's full of dignity. It's honoring these folks. And then the guy realizes around 9 a.m., he needs more workers. So he goes back to the spot and hires a group of more and says, for you, I'll pay you a day's wages. It seems like there's more work than could be done even by the two groups now that he has working in the field. So he goes again at noon, and the story says he goes again at three, and he gets more folks, more guys to come in and work the field uh, with the same agreement. Then at five o'clock, towards the end of the day, he sees a few more guys still standing there. Apparently, you know, I don't know if, he's had, if they came in late, if, if they were sized up earlier and thought, eh, I don't know if those guys can handle the job, but there's still a few guys that are standing there. And then the, the owner of the field comes and says, what are you guys doing? And they say, no one's hired us. And he said, well, come on with me. You can finish the day with us, and I'll pay you a day's wages. At sundown, all the workers gather, and they all come. And the guys that have been there since the beginning have been watching this all day long. More guys are coming in. More guys are coming in. And so there's only one of two scenarios that you can imagine if you're that original group of guys. Imagine them at lunch. Imagine them talking while they were working. Like, what's going on here? Who are these guys? And there's only one of two scenarios. Either the guys that came in at noon and three and five are going to have a truncated wage that day, or maybe it means the guys who started early are going to get paid more. But that's not what happens. As Jesus tells a story, the landowner starts handing out a day's wages to every single guy that's there. And the guys that are originally there say, what's going on? What's going on? And the landowner looks at those guys and says, what's the problem? You agreed to work for a day's wages. Is that not what you've done and how I paid you? I can pay these guys whatever I want. I don't know if you've ever had a moment if you've seen somebody, maybe that you've come up with, maybe that you've grown up with, maybe you started around the same time, the same company, maybe you graduated the same degree around the same time, but it seems like time has been on their side a little bit more than you. And you look at their life and think, what's, what's the deal? I put my time in, and they did too, but it seems like there's an advantage for them. There's something about time like that, the unfairness of time. Time sometimes feels more unfair to us than to others. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, time is being unfair to me? There's another story where uh, this good friend of Jesus, a guy named Lazarus, is on death's door. And so his two sisters call upon Jesus to come as they know that he's been doing these radical demonstrative acts of healing for people that are sick. But how much more so that Jesus would do for a good friend what he does for strangers, so they call upon Jesus to come, and it deliberately says in the retelling of the story that Jesus waited there for two more days. And sure enough, Lazarus, his good, close friend, like family, ended up passing away. And the, uh, the very interesting part of the story is Mary and Martha come out to greet Jesus as he finally shows up at different points, and they both take turns saying, where were you? Where were you? There's something about the way God sees time that he's not as anxious about it as we are. We happen to think that if, you, if you're going to show up, now would be the time, God. But have you ever had a moment in your life, uh, an, ex- an experience, a circumstance, where you needed or wanted or demanded that God would show up and he did it? And that almost withdrawal of trust that we have for God, God's goodness, God's power, God's presence, 
God's existence, and we just kind of carry on. I know I've captured and collected many of those stories in my life. That's why we're here this morning, to reflect and recollect and remember those moments and perhaps invite God to help us reconsider what he was doing during that time. Finally, there's this story in Mark chapter 1, the beginning parts of Jesus' ministry, where he is uh, uh, coming, coming upon the scene, and he's healing people right and left. And there's this one particular home that he spends the night in, and he's healing uh, a person after person with ailment after ailment. And uh, just this crescendo on almost day one of Jesus' public ministry, and he's got a few of his early disciples around, and there's just this excitement and buzz And then, you know, uh, it's late at night and everyone kind of goes back to their village. And in the morning, these guys wake up and there's another, there's a crowd. There's more people with more ailments. The word has spread. And the guys start looking around. I don't know if they're like shuffling around the sleeping bags or what. But like, where is Jesus? And they ultimately find him out kind of in the wilderness by himself. And they go out to him and they're like, Jesus, we got, we got a line already. We got the bacon sizzling. Like we got a, I guess they don't bake bacon. <laughs> Send Steve an email about my theology there. Uh, and, and, and Jesus is sitting there and, he's, and he essentially says, I'm not about that. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here for this. I know your anxiety about this moment is really high, but I'm going on to the next town my moment is about something else. And we see in, in Mark chapter 1, the very first words of Jesus as he, uh, in, in this story about him being baptized and coming out uh, of the waters and the and this spirit coming down upon Jesus. Uh, and, and he says this idea that the time has come. The time has come. The time is now. The time is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. Reconsider Everything you've ever considered. Repent and believe in the gospel. The time has come. Time. There's this central theme throughout all the stories of Jesus about time. The time has come. The time has come for what? Because you see in the interactions that people have with Jesus, their understanding of time just keeps getting pushed up against Jesus' consideration of time. So how is it that Jesus considers time? What are you doing now? And I think that's the central question. What are you doing now? Is a question of spirituality that we could all grow through. What are you doing now? What are you saying now? What are you inviting me to now? Some of us, when it comes to time, spend a lot of time in the past thinking about what was, thinking about what could have been, thinking about what went wrong. And maybe that turns into some version of guilt or uh, uh, frustration or sadness or anger or rumination. And some of us uh, actually spend a lot of time thinking about what's yet to come. And it turns into anxiety or maybe control. And yet the central question, it seems, as Jesus starts, the time is now. I am doing something now. There is an availability of God now. So how do we invite him in? There's a guy, uh, uh, Father Greg Boyle. He's an author, and he's also a leader of this really phenomenal work up in the hood of Los Angeles. It's called Homeboy Industries. He started it, I don't know, 30 years ago. 
And he responded to the needs of the community and created essentially jobs and businesses for folks that are right in or on the fringe of gang activity. And in this interview, he's got phenomenal books, just a beautiful sense of what God is up to and the way he helps you see things is just really, really impressive. And uh, in this interview I listened to him, uh, someone was asking him kind of what does a day in the life look like for you? And he said, well, by and large, you know, there's, there's these talks I have to give and, and there's fundraising I need to do, but most of my day is, is spent in my office being interrupted by people. And he was kind of laughing about it. He said, I, I'm in my office and I'm doing this very important work, this very important work to write this talk or write this grant or write a thank you letter to a donor. And then in his language, he calls them homies. Homies come in and interrupt me all day long, just a series of them, just, you know, sometimes without knocking, they just come in and they interrupt me. And he said, my, my entire life is battling this frustration of what am I here for? You know, I don't want to be strategic, and I know I'm, I recognize my, my place in this organization is to, is to have deep thinking time and, and focused time, but, but they just keep interrupting me. And, and then the interviewer said, well, what do they interrupt you about? He said, oh, nothing. They, just, they want to tell me about their sister, or their mom, or something that they did at their job that day. It's like nothing. They just want to come in. And he said, well, really, what I've realized over the years is that they're coming for a moment. And the moment is not just with me. The moment is to experience something right now. And I don't want to give it to them. I never want to give it to them. And he said, but I've been trying to lean more and more into that interruption because if all the things I've said to be true are actually true, then God is here in this moment in these interruptions. And he said, I, I, you know, it's kind of silly, but I, I have this phrase in my head, this mantra, this thing I repeat. And he's like, it's not scripture. It's the title of a play, a musical. Uh, and, and the musical is called Now Hear This. And it's not now hear this, but it's now, period, here, like right here, this. And he said, as I'm interrupted, and I, I've got my time, I've organized my time, I've managed my time, and now my time is being interrupted, I just say that phrase. Whoever's there, in my head, I have to go to this place of now hear this. Almost like God is trying to do something right now, right here in this moment. So what does it look like for us to yield our time to him? What does it look like for us to become more and more aware of God's presence in the present moment? I wonder how many opportunities or moments that I miss and that we miss because we're thinking about the past, we're planning for the future, we're trying to get through our day. We've got the voices in our head from our parents or our culture or our kind of uh, upbringing of what time is for. And yet God is trying to say, I am right here. I am right now. And I am in this moment. Would you pray with me? God, help us. Help us to see. <clears throat> help us to see that you're trying to do something right now. Right now in this moment. We don't need to wait for you to come. You're here. We don't need to ask you to show up. You already are. And what's missing or, or, or what the problem is, is our awareness. It's our willingness to slow down. It's our, it's our willingness to look and to listen. So I pray that you would help us to do that. This week, mess with us a little bit. Our calendars, our our. our daily tasks, and help us to lean into the interruptions with the assumption that not only are you here, 
but you want to do something in this moment. We pray this in your name. Amen. This is Communion Sunday, and as we think about time, it's a very interesting, I think, way to look at this uh, ritual that we do in churches. The night that Jesus uh, constituted, started this, this ceremony, this ritual, was uh, in the midst of a meal that they had done year after year, time and time again. The same meal, the Passover meal, and there are actually, if you've ever done a Passover Seder, it's a really beautiful experience of uh, thoughtfulness. And uh, there's actually a, a schedule to it. There's a very specific schedule, an order of things. And I know, especially some of us in churches, uh, we like order. There's literally in my email an order of worship. And we do this uh, celebration about once a month in, in churches like this. And we are invited to recall and remember this thing that Jesus said. And, and it's so easy, it's so easy to do this thing as though it's just another time that we've, you know, we've done it maybe a thousand times or a few times. But it's easy to miss the moment, isn't it? Have you ever done something and thought, eh, I didn't really get anything out of it? Have you ever done a, a, a communion before and thought, oh, I don't really know what this is for. Some people seem to have a moment with this. I don't seem to. Well, I want us to consider this morning that God could show up. And I know it gets theologically kind of gray for some of us, whatever church we grew up in, about what actually happens in this moment. But I actually like the idea, like what if we, what if we leaned into the idea that God could do something powerful if we're willing to bring our hearts into this? So here's how the story goes. In, in the, the right order of the meal, Jesus took bread and he said, hey, this is, uh, this is my paraphrase, obviously. Hey, guys, this is bread, right? This thing that we've, we eat at every meal. This thing that we do at this particular part of every Passover meal. And yet, I want you to look at this bread differently this time. I want you to look at this bread as though it's my body given to you. And there's, I, I, I don't know what they were understanding right then. I don't know. I don't know what we're understanding as we think about that. But then he took this cup of wine, the same type of wine that they drank probably at every meal, certainly at every Passover meal, and he said, I want you to reconsider this cup. This cup is going to symbolize and remind you of my blood, which is going to be shed for you. And I, I, I would love to try to recapture some of the tone in that moment as well. Because it's a very, I think we can see it as a very kind of almost hallmark moment of Jesus kind of sitting around. Here's, you know, bread and a cup and guys. And, but the moment that they were in was this incredibly intense moment. Jesus had brought them deliberately into Jerusalem where there was this activity, this assassination plot that was building and building. And he was telling them along the way to Jerusalem, I'm going there to die. And if I die and you guys are all associated with me, this uprising, it's not going to go well for any of us. So when he was sharing this lovely symbol of bread and wine, he was also doing it in the context of intensity. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now is the time to reconsider everything. So we're going to have music, and it's going to be your opportunity to engage in this moment. You have, if you've, if you've done this before, you've got this uh, cracker, this piece of bread that you can pull out, and then underneath that, 
some juice, some grape juice, some wine, unfermented wine that we can drink. And I pray that as you do that, you would invite God to show you something unique. Do something unique now in this moment. So let's, at our own time, participate in communion. Father God, thank you that you give us yourself. And that is not just a, uh, an idea, but it's something that we can experience. You give us yourself. You give us your presence. And you've given us, if we look at it through your eyes, you've given us everything. And so as we consider responding to your generosity with our own yielding of the resources you've given us, as we consider Uh, giving back to you through an offering. Lord, we recognize that it's not just our resources, but it's our lives that we respond to. As you've given us your life, we want to give you our life in any way that we can. And we know that we need your spirit to guide us to do that, to know what that looks like and what that means, to give us the courage and empowerment to let go and to trust you. And for those of us who have been wounded over the years, we, we wanted so desperately for you to show up and rescue or intervene, and it didn't seem like you did. And we've, over the years, developed more and more of a distrust towards you. I pray, God, that you would restore that to us. Help us to reconsider that you are good and that you are for us and that you are present so that we can give more freely to you. We pray this in your name. Amen. And one last song, we have the opportunity to respond to the offering as well as the prayer cards, which are in your seats. In grace, what have you done? Murder for me on that cross. Accused in the absence of wrong My sin washed away in your blood Too much to make sense of it all I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place so my soul is to be like 
God bless you with wisdom, the wisdom that you need to live out your life well. May God the Son teach you about how much he loves you, and may God the Spirit help you understand that he is present to you in every single moment. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.